Chapter Four of Heroines of Travel by Frank Mundell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. To the Himalayas. Miss Gordon Cummings' surroundings, the first morning after her arrival in India, were suggestive of a scene out of the Arabian Nights. Her bedroom well answered to the description which someone had given of an Indian bedroom. A section of the street with a bed in it. From five o'clock in the morning, dark-skinned servants, all men, flitted in and out of the room, bringing lamps, water, tea, fruit, and various other articles. These masculine apparitions were exceedingly bewildering, and it took some time before the traveller could look on them as mere lay figures, whose sole purpose in life was to wait her goodwill and pleasure. Even in Calcutta, the city of palaces, a visitor has not far to go to see native life in all its simplicity. Miss Cumming found that, behind the luxurious houses of the merchant princes, lay the black town, where the natives lived in narrow, dingy alleys, their houses consisting of huts of baked mud or twisted bamboo. Here, all but naked, the people sit on the ground and bask in the sun. No more interesting sight can be seen than that described by Miss Cumming when, as she says, it seems as if the whole population had turned out of their houses to perform their toilet in public. The cleansing of the mouth on awakening in the morning is a religious ceremony. Every Hindu is especially careful about his teeth, which he polishes vigorously with a soft flat stick about the width of his finger. She also noticed the barbers at work in the streets, and the painting of those curious lines and marks on the forehead which distinguish the different Hindu sects. These marks consist of spots, circles, straight lines, curved lines, alone or arranged in different designs and varied colours. What the lady calls the antagonism of brown and white skins struck her very disagreeably. For instance, at table, her friends would not allow her to sit next to a well-dressed native, simply because he was a native. Europeans refused to ride in the railway carriages with natives, and in other ways the lack of sympathy between all shades of colour was shown. Before leaving Calcutta, the traveller had to lay in a supply of bedding, as she was informed that neither at hotels nor friends' houses was there provided for guests anything but a rude wooden bedstead. The bed and the bedclothes, like personal clothing, were supposed to be part of the visitor's luggage. Having crossed the river by steamboat, Miss Cumming made her way to the railway station, which was thronged with natives. To them, the punctuality of trains was a matter of great surprise. 
in their dread of being late it was not at all unusual for them to assemble at the stations hours before the time of starting sometimes overnight having their beds with them they laid themselves down on the pavement where wrapped up tightly they looked like rows of corpses laid out to order the railway carriages were labelled separately for natives native women and europeans as many of the journeys were for long distances most of the carriages were so arranged that at night each compartment could be made into sleeping quarters for four persons the roofs were double and the windows had projecting shades to keep off the sun in the hot season many persons are stricken down by the heat while travelling and miss cumming was told that coffins were kept at every station to be ready for any fatalities at morshedabad the traveller left the train and crossed the ganges in an open boat here in the bright moonlight she saw numerous fires on the steep banks of the stream groups of wild-looking creatures sat around them they were mourners in attendance at the funeral pyres of their friends after spending the night at a friend's house miss cumming took a trip on the ganges and to her dismay saw dead hindus floating past these were the bodies of persons whose relatives were too poor to provide for them a funeral pyre the banks of the stream were lined with vultures jackals and other animals all eager to share in any portion of human flesh that drifted ashore at allahabad the traveller lived for the first time in a real indian bungalow with high thatched roof and pillared veranda the ceiling was merely a sheet of canvas along which could be seen running little feet of lizards squirrels and other creatures the household pests however which were most dreaded were white ants these little insects move about in armies and working swiftly and silently destroy everything they come across the destruction of books and papers is very annoying a tradesman told miss cumming that he had received a large supply of english goods one day and unpacked them in the evening on the following morning they lay on the ground literally reduced to powder she also saw beams in buildings which appeared to be of good strong timber but which crumbled at a touch the inside had been eaten away by ants who have such a strong dislike to the light that they rarely touch the outer surface the little grey squirrels which made their homes in every corner were seen darting about even more fearlessly than a half-starved english robin on a winter's day their impudence says miss cumming knows no bounds i have seen them carry off bread from a child's hand if she chanced to turn her head the other way to the great amazement of the poor wee woman one of her pleasantest afternoons spent in this city 
was in watching the native cavalry who were exceedingly expert in tent pegging picking rings off poles with their long spears while riding at full gallop cleaving oranges with swords and so forth mounted on tall elephants miss cumming and her friends devoted a day to visiting the holy fair at allahabad she says that the noises were positively bewildering the deafening clamours for backsheesh the incessant beating of tom-toms and other discordant instruments the cries of conjurers and jugglers and of itinerant merchants of all sorts the angry growling of many camels the neighing of horses lowing of bullocks and occasionally the shrill trumpeting of an elephant mingling with the amazing roar of multitudinous human voices all combining to produce one general hubbub was overpowering and at last we left the scene with a sense of thankful relief at kaunpur the lady ploughed her way from the railway station to her bungalow through seas of white dust the cause lay in the crumbling of the limestone of the district under the action of sun and rain and heavy traffic the wind caused it to rise and fill the air with suffocating clouds no sandstorm in the desert was ever more penetrating the spot where the terrible massacre of kaunpur took place had a great fascination for the visitor who was never tired of wandering along the banks of the sacred river there were the steps or gouts where so many british were done to death and the bungalow from whence the monster nana sahib watched the scene of destruction while near by was the monument which informed the passer-by that there a great company of christian people had been murdered at lucknow miss cumming visited some of the places of interest in the company of one who had been present at the mutiny he described the deeds of valour performed by british soldiers and sailors as almost incredible from the tomb of sir henry hevelock they passed to the residency whose battered ruins even then bore the mark of the shot and shell which poured in such fierce tempests on the walls with interest the lady looked on the tower where the flag of england floated during those five awful months and it seemed almost impossible that the place could have been held for so long a time by the little garrison against such overwhelming odds when miss cumming arrived at agra she was unable to find words to express her delight when her eyes first fell on that fairy-like snowy palace among tombs the taj mahal to her it seemed a mere folly to attempt either by words or pictures to convey the faintest impression of the beauty of this marvellous structure she speaks of it a cluster of pearly snow-white domes nestling round one grand central dome like a gigantic pearl these crowning a building all of purest 
highly polished marble so perfect in its proportions so lovely in its design so simply restful to the eye and withal so amazingly intricate in its simplicity that it is in truth more like some strange dream in marble than like the work of human hands in a chamber below this the grandest tomb in the world the emperor shah jahan buried his young and beloved wife that he might honour her memory by such a monument as should fill the world with wonder that he succeeded in his purpose we know for while there are many costly and magnificent structures in the world there is but one taj mahal day after day during her stay at agra miss cumming went morning noon and night to gaze on this glorious building that she might enjoy the view in every varying effect of light and shade struck by the numerous echoes which were heard even when speaking in low and subdued tones she tried the effect of singing a few lines of the hymn brief life is here our portion at once it seemed to her as if a chorus of spirit voices took up the strain and whispering the words again and again carried them away heavenward on the clouds of blue smoke that rose like incense from agra she proceeded to delhi which she describes as a dwelling-place of giants here she gazed with wonder on mighty mosques huge tombs with giant gateways enormous forts and a veritable world of ruins living in a tent outside the walls near the cashmere gate she wandered with her friends step by step over hard-fought ground recalling the brave deeds of daring in the terrible days of eighteen fifty seven beasts and birds of almost every species found refuge among those miles of ruins there were seen flocks of gorgeous wild peacocks green parrots and doves there too were herds of deer and game of all sorts and sizes great flights of white butterflies alighted on the bushes only to be preyed on by pretty pale green spiders yet in this paradise for sportsmen the traveller may wander alone the livelong day and never meet a human being it was at delhi that miss cumming witnessed some of the remarkable performances of the indian jugglers which strike strangers with wonder the snake charmers give exhibitions daily and the power they possess over these reptiles was seen in one instance when a snake which had been freely handled afterwards sprang at a young woman and bit her in the throat so that she died in half an hour at saharanpur miss cumming came in sight of the himalayas which at that distance appeared like little patches and peaks of glittering white here too she saw elephants in full dress 
their wise-looking faces were painted with lines stars stripes and various patterns in brilliant colours in their great ears were rich jewels while their huge ankles were circled with bangles of silver and precious stones costly jewels adorned their foreheads and the tips of their tusks were sheathed in gold and silver in the fantastic howdars on the backs of these gaily ornamented animals were indian chiefs and princes who had assembled to take part in a grand durbar these men literally glittered with gems never before says miss cumming had she seen such gorgeous embroidery such cloth of gold such jewels pearls diamonds and rubies as on that occasion when the morning came for the reception of the emir of afghanistan by lord mayo who was at that time viceroy of india his highness did not appear it seems that he had unfortunately eaten a whole bottle of pickles and drunk the vinegar and it took him some hours to recover from the effect of this unusual repast the lady however had the pleasure of seeing the emir in the afternoon when she says he looked decidedly ill the conversation between the viceroy and the emir was carried on through an interpreter and we can scarcely wonder that lord mayo had some difficulty to repress a smile when in reply to his inquiry whether all arrangements had been made for his comfort the emir replied that since entering british territory his stomach had been full the queen's presents to the emir were both numerous and valuable those however which seemed to give the afghan monarch the greatest satisfaction were the guns and pistols and a whole battery of artillery when the ceremony was over and the viceroy had himself escorted the emir to the door and he had received his salute of twenty-one guns each rajah was in turn handed out and in turn saluted by the number of guns to which he was entitled by his rank it is scarcely possible says miss cumming for an englishman to realise what immense importance the natives attach to these minute distinctions or how immeasurable is the distance between the man who ranks as a five-gun rajah and he who is entitled to fifteen she next made a trip to simla the hill station on the slopes of the himalayas to which many of the indian officials go during the hot season the journey was made part of the way by dak or post gary a kind of box on wheels in which the traveller lies at full length from kalka the travellers were obliged to ride or be carried by coolies in a kind of sedan chair the bearers proceeding at the rate of about fourteen miles a day simla was somewhat disappointing in that it seemed to be so far away from the chief heights of the himalayas away far away in the distant horizon 
fully one hundred miles from simla could be seen a long narrow line indented like the teeth of a saw that is the snowy range in which there are hundreds of summits more than twenty thousand feet high there too in all its majesty is mount everest the loftiest height on the face of the globe at simla miss cumming saw numerous monkeys in fact she says that they are legion both the common and brown ones which come careering all over the houses and the great big grey ones with black face and paws and fringe of white hair round the forehead climbing the trees near the houses the monkeys entered open windows and freely helped themselves to any food within their reach when lady barker gave her first dinner party at simla the dining-room was left in charge of native servants after the table had been laid and decorated with choice ornaments when the mistress returned she found the room full of jabbering monkeys their cheeks and arms loaded with expensive sweetmeats while the table presented a scene of the utmost confusion the beautiful glass and china dishes and figures were broken and the display completely ruined it seems that the servants had gone off to enjoy a quiet smoke giving the monkeys the opportunity for which they were waiting from simla the road to tibet was taken by the small party of european travellers their luggage being carried by coolies who walked in line as the safest plan on those narrow precipitous paths miss cumming much preferred these human ponies to quadrupeds as horses sometimes refused to stir or backed or slipped in dangerous places causing frightful accidents in mahasso forest the travellers witnessed a gathering of all the wild hill tribes the women were present in large numbers and the weight of ornaments they wore was excessive ears nose hair arms and ankles were all decorated and many of the necklaces and anklets were made of glass stone or bell metal the ornaments of one damsel could not have been less than thirty pounds in weight in these she walked long distances over the mountains and danced all night day after day the party ascended higher and higher carefully picking their way along the ledges of rocks which were the only paths and crossing ravines and rivers by rude bridges made of tree trunks fastened together with ropes of grass at length they reached the mountain villages in the cliffs above the cunivar valley where they came upon tribes having many strange customs never met with in more frequented parts of the world here miss cumming saw the yak the ox of tibet a short thick-set creature covered from nose to tail with long shaggy hair living on scanty fare strong and sure-footed this animal is an invaluable beast of burden 
and is able to carry heavy loads across otherwise inaccessible passes it is so truly a native of the mountains that it does not thrive at a lower level than nine thousand feet this curious cow she says with a horse's tail and sheep's wool combines the properties of all three animals it finds its own scanty food yet gives the richest milk to the plough it brings the strength of an ox it clothes its master in silky and abundant wool while to beef-eating people it would also supply meat and leather more sure-footed than the surest pony it carries its load or its rider along pathless mountains and is most at home on the highest passes a peep into chinese tartary brought miss cummings indian journey to an end on the borders of the indian and chinese empires she entered the country of the lamas and saw some of the customs of the worshippers of buddha the prayer wheels of the natives interested her greatly and she tried in vain to buy one which was beautifully carved and inlaid with precious stones reluctantly the wanderers were at length obliged to return it was with unutterable regret says miss cumming and many a backward look towards all the unexplored beauty we were about to leave more especially that lovely group of peaks up the valley that we were forced to bid adieu to beautiful rarung and turn once more to civilization End of chapter four